Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Hi. So lovely to be with you all today. You included, sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you. Later you on. have no choice. I live with you. Man, <laughs> I'm trapped in a podcast and a marriage with Shannon Curtis. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's kind of the best, really. I interrupted you. Sorry. Later. Later. Later on. on later on in this episode, we're going to be picking back up our discussion about the idea of individualism and the ways in which it can be harmful to us. Yeah, we got some, uh, a few weeks back, we had some comments from a listener that we're going to introduce into the conversation uh, of an article that came up in our Misfit Stars social network this week. Just that was, felt related. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to just sort of like dip our toes back into that topic. You know how when you're thinking about something, all of a sudden you start seeing stuff everywhere that just kind of relates to it? It's sort of like that. Yeah. We got drugged back into this discussion, and I feel good about that. We were derailed for a couple of weeks, and I think that's totally good and appropriate. But well, we feel good. it was, yeah. <laughs> right, no. The cause of the derailment wasn't no. good. The fact that we allowed ourselves yeah. to be present in the moment and be derailed is what I think was good. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And on the topic of the individualism stuff, if you are just tuning in like for the first time to the Misfit Stars podcast, you're mm-hmm. like, what? They've been talking about a, a series of things, like a series of episodes, a series of episodes have been talking about the same thing. Uh, you could go back and listen to those previous episodes dating back. Back. Like beginning uh, of July. Yeah, yeah, like beginning of July. is when Maybe we st- the very end of June. Perhaps. Yeah. Just go to misfitstars.com slash listen and figure it out. You're smart. You are. Listeners. You're so smart. Anyway. That's why you listen to the Misfit Stars podcast. That's right. It's highly correlated with intelligence. Is and also, it? And also, have we ever told you that you're really good looking? Studies show. Studies show that you're very good looking, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, that's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about that, people, just a brief ad break. Misfit Stars is a podcast, but it's not just a podcast. Mm-mm. It's also a container and support structure for all of the rest of the work that Shannon and I do in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you know, this work just keeps growing. It's really, really cool. A lot of it these days takes the form of supporting other humans in various ways. Uh, And you know, I just had another person added, added to my platter of people. Imagine I've got a huge people-sized platter and I'm, <laughs> and I'm supporting a whole bunch of people on it. And it's really wonderful. You had a new artist, a new artist added to your platter of artists that you're mentoring. Well, I mean, two of them. Oh, great. One of them is a 16-year-old girl who lives in Laos. Uh-huh. And she is working on kind of modern pop music. Awesome. She's super inspired by like Billie Eilish and Dua Lipa and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like. Kind of the the better side of pop, really good deep stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's a deep young woman. She's a deep thinker. Awesome. And she's super excited to get uh, get going with me on stuff. We're going to help her whip her songs into better structures and shapes. Mm-hmm. And then, then I'm going to start teaching her how to use a recording program. I'm how gonna, cool! I'm going to mentor her through learning Logic and starting to empower her to like make her own drum beats and figure out her own sounds awesome. that could support the songs she's writing. That's so great. It's so cool. And then just like yesterday, I had a first talk with another artist. This guy is super neat. He is a, uh, he's in the disability community. He has cerebral palsy. He's a pastor. He lives in upstate New York, like north of Buffalo. Uh He is nearly finished his debut record, which interestingly, he's making with the help of a fairly famous underground rapper. Oh, wow. A kid from the Bay Area named MC Lars, who does something called Nerdcore, Uh which is like really nerdy, like intentionally nerdy rap music, you know? Okay, uh-huh. 
And he like just randomly sort of got like like met this guy at a concert, and the guy was like MC Lars to his deep credit was like, "Take my personal email. I want to continue this conversation." And mentored him through making his first record. Oh my gosh! And now I'm going to be mentoring him through like engagement strategies, like quote unquote release strategies, like how to get a body mm. of work in front of a group of human beings in a way that engages them and hopefully brings them more into your story of what how you're doing. How cool! We had an initial conversation about that yesterday. We're going to have an ongoing relationship around that. It's That's really so. Great. It's nifty. All of this stuff is made possible by the financial support of our Misfit Stars community. Yes, it is. Because like all of this stuff that like that I put two hours into yesterday and many hours most days, like it's supported. Like the reason like I can put a bunch of my time into this mm-hmm. and we still are able to live indoors and eat food. Yeah. Despite using all of this time for this stuff. Yeah. Is that our Misfit Stars community supports this work in an ongoing way. Yeah. Point being, if you want to add your voice to the choir of people who are supporting this kind of avant-garde mentorship behavior. And it's not just the mentorship. No. It's also the new music that we make and, yep. and record and put out in the world and the ways in which we engage uh, people in our community communities around that those works mm-hmm. uh, it is also this podcast obviously it is also the cultivate the cultivation of uh, more intentional community within our misfit stars members mm-hmm. uh, via our social network and our monthly meetups and yeah. and also the growth that we're doing uh, as a community within that group like for instance our new anti-racist book and movie club mm-hmm. that's within the misfit stars group all these things like it's all that stuff that you're supporting yeah. when you become a supporting member of misfit stars. It's inexpensive. It's a recurring monthly kind of thing. It's basically you saying, yeah, I want to throw my lot in with yours a little bit and just support you a little bit on a monthly basis. Yeah. So misfitstars.com slash support if you would like to support what we're doing. Misfitstars.com slash join if you want to join us in what we're doing. That's right. They're both really the same thing. Yes, they are. But you just choose your own adventure. Yeah, you (laughs) use the link that feels like it matches the best with who you are as a person on the inside. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So do we have any announcements, Shan? Announcements, announcements, announcements. Yes. That was a good good rendition of the song. Thank you. I have one announcement. What is it? My one announcement is that uh, in two weekends from right now, on August 21st, that's Saturday, August 21st. That's 10 days from the day this podcast comes out. Holy moly. Whoa. That is the date of the one and only show that we are performing this summer. Yeah. Uh, Probably this year, I'm guessing, just given how Delta variant is going and how concerts are... Probably not going to be on the menu for us uh, the rest of this year. But we're the doing- good news is that Delta variant's going great. <laughs> I'm thinking from the perspective of the Delta variant. Of the virus, yeah. I'm just trying to be empathetic. Yeah. And if I were a Delta variant, I'd be like, I'm doing so good right now. Things are going great. Anyway, so we're doing one show this year, mm-hmm. and it is fr- it is uh, Saturday, August 21st. It is the Shipwrecked Music Festival in Astoria, Oregon. It's a brand new music festival. Uh, brought to you by, brought to us by 94.9 The Bridge, mm-hmm. a great radio station in Astoria, Oregon, uh, and all the, the coastal Oregon uh, gets this radio station. We listened when we did the, the drive up the Oregon coast uh, a yeah. few weeks back, and it was a really great station. Like, I really like the station. Like it, I, it's great music. And it great reached, selection. It reached farther than I would have thought. Like we were halfway to Aberdeen before it finally petered out. It's true. In, in yeah. Washington State, it's true. Yeah, so uh, they're doing their first ever music festival on the 21st. They've been playing a couple of our songs on the radio. How cool is that, everybody? Very songs, cool. songs that we made in our little home here in Tacoma, yep. Washington. 
just being played on the radio. It's pretty great. And people who we don't know and presumably never will meet listening to and apparently enjoying the songs. Yeah, well, we maybe maybe we will meet some of them at the festival. That that's that would be great. I would love that. So it's an outdoor thing uh, as music festivals often are. And uh, this one is it's at the Clatsop County Fairgrounds. Uh, it's a it's a a charity uh, festival actually. It's a fundraiser for the United Way of Clatsop County. So cool. Um so you can go to the festival and enjoy music and also know that some of the dollars that you use to buy your ticket will be going to a good cause. I'll have a uh, ticketing link for you in the show notes. Great. So and, uh, go find that link and get yourself a ticket. And being this is an outdoor festival, we we actually like scoped out the festival grounds when we drove through the other a couple weeks ago, back. You know, we got, we got eyes on we it. We got eyes on it, and it's it's a big space. Like there's plenty of room for you to stay safely away from other. Uh, human beings mm-hmm. for vaccine safety or for, mm-hmm. for, for virus safety rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can do socially distanced uh, music festival hangout and that's that's where we're going to be on the 21st. If you're in the Pacific Northwest uh, within driving distance, we would love to see you there. The general vibe is bring a big blanket and hang out with yeah. whomever you came with and maybe picnic on this sort of uh, festival ground they lawn have, area. They're going to have food trucks out there too mm-hmm. and uh, I think you can buy drinks maybe too. Like it's it's just a whole thing. So Really fun day. Hope you guys can come. Yeah. So uh, that's it. Thank that's you it. for announcements. You are welcome. So uh, how are you feeling today, sweetheart? I'm super tired right now. Oh, like, yeah? Right now, like I could have maybe taken a nap <laughs> before <laughs> this podcast. And I think it's just, it's a combination of stuff. I like I don't feel overall tired in mm-hmm. my life. Like right now, like I've actually been feeling pretty good mm-hmm. the last couple of days. But I have this... I have this thing, this quirk about my body that I don't absorb vitamin B12 from food or from like oral stuff like normal people do. So you can't take a tincture, you can't absorb it through your stomach lining. Your body just does not my absorb B. Body doesn't do it, so I have to get these monthly injections. And I really By the way, what? Uh, who does the injections? You do. Oh yeah, I jab Shannon in the arm <laughs> with like a two-inch long needle every freaking month, you guys. Yeah. It, uh, it's always a little horrifying. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I've, I've gotten over it. I've gotten better at it. I do it with confidence, but also I'm always in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I'm sticking metal into my sweetheart. Yeah, you okay. do a good job. Thank he you. He does a great job. He always says, I love you, and kisses me on the cheek right before he jabs me in the arm. Yeah. Anyway, I figure it just balances out. Yeah. So I've been doing these injections for the last six years, and they really help. Like, I, I actually, the, the symptoms that I get when I am low on B12 is that I feel fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in the mornings, like when I'm low, I feel like I like I just like I'm in a fog and I just can't. My body does not want to get itself it's get itself out of bed. Like yeah. it just really, I get tingling sensations in my hands and my feet, your extremities. Um, yeah, and and so it's it's not good to be low on B12, but these injections really help. And when I have them and I'm doing them regularly. They really just keep me on track. Uh, one of the things that can deplete a person's B12 supply in their bloodstream is periods of elevated stress. Ding, and, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I realized the other day that, you know, I was coming up on my monthly time for that. And sometimes when I come up on the monthly time, I'm like still cruising, you know, I'm doing like, oh, good. doing good. Going to top up. We're going to, you know, just keep 
you know, flying at altitude. And some months I feel it a few days early, like, oh gosh, it must be getting time for that because my body feels it. This time I felt it like a full week or so early that the effects of being low and it's, and I, and I, I attribute it really directly to the amount of just emotional stress that my body has been processing over the last couple of weeks as we've been, you know, grieving the loss of our friend Scott. Yep. Like, I, like I, I, I'm sure that that's been a contributing factor. I don't feel like worried about my health or anything. I just know that this is a sign of things that I need to top back up. So yeah. uh, gratefully, you know, my, my prescription will be coming in the mail probably tomorrow, I'm yes. guessing. I'm going to so, stick you right in the freaking arm. Yeah. <laughs> But that's all to say that I'm tired and like, and it is, it is one of those weird things that like my body gives me cues, like really obvious cues when I, when I need something. Mm-hmm. In this case, I need my B12. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I, I am feeling tired at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, I'm feeling pretty, I'm feeling okay. You know, like I, I the last couple of days I've been uh, sort of like, tackling some stuff that I feel like I have like I've been, here's the deal I feel like I've been backburnering everything in my life <laughs> like nothing's been on the front burner like for the last couple of weeks because I just haven't had the capacity to Gotta deal with front burner anything like I so everything's been on the back burner yeah. and I except our stupid window project well which yeah which got done thankfully but you know I I I feel like I'm starting to figure out how to bring things one at a time from those back burners onto the front burners mm. and deal with them, mm-hmm. um, which has felt good. Uh, and I also have begun in the last week or so uh, a sort of a morning uh, routine of uh, some aerobic exercise that is... My goal is to get my lung capacity back up to shape. I mm. I realize in normally when we tour in the summertime, mm-hmm. I'm singing every day for like an hour plus, mm-hmm. and that requires a lot of lung exercise. Like I'm out of breath. You know, it's 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 like physical work to perform yeah. like that. And that's why Shannon has that water bottle with her. It's not that she's thirsty all the time. It's that she needs a prop to give herself like 10 seconds to get her breath back after a song. <laughs> no, I need water too, but it's but it's, it's physical it's physical work. It's aerobic exercise to sing yeah. like that, you know, to perform. And uh the I realized that having really not done that for well, we did we did our Zoom concerts last summer. But even the the physical work required to do those was less because we were like doing it studio style, you mm-hmm. know, like it wasn't like projecting into a live audience. It was just a different level of energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've really lost a lot of like my lung capacity. <sighs> and I, I, and I, and I, like I get short of breath when I shouldn't be getting a short of breath. And so I'm like, okay, we need to get this back. So I've been doing this morning routine and it's feeling really good. And I'm listening to a Brene, Bra- Brene Brown podcast while I'm, while I'm walking on the treadmill. And like, it's really, like it feels like really good me time and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. And so I like overall I'm feeling like I'm feeling good. Um I'm feeling good. good. I'm feeling like I'm on a track. Uh even if it's a slow track, mm-hmm. it's on a track. So that's good. How about you? How are you feeling? Well before we get to me, uh, I want to ask you specifically, uh just do a weekly check in here. How are you feeling in terms of your processing about the Scott situation? 
and like, you know, where are you at in your trajectory of that? So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, when Jamie says the Scott situation, we lost a friend uh, who, who died by suicide a couple of weeks ago. And um, and so the, the, the stress I've been under the last emotional, the emotional stress extra emotional stress beyond the normal life stuff has definitely come from that for the last couple of weeks for me and how I'm doing with that. Um, you know, I had a moment earlier today where like, you know, and these, and I think that this, this is probably how it's going to happen. Like with like different waves of different emotions associated with grief come at me at different times. And it's out of the blue. Like we were driving a, to do an errand earlier and just like in the car out of nowhere, my brain was just like, oh my God, Scott's gone. Mm. He's just gone. And and I just I had a moment where that just hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not new information. No. It's not anything I haven't been processing for, you know, a few weeks now. But like, it was just one of those moments where, whew, just kind of like takes the wind out of you for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been having those moments um, yeah, I, I I don't know that I have much more to say at the moment about that. Um, it just I I do feel like I am be, I am able to in the last handful of days resume some activities in my life that require my emotional presence and and emotional space in my heart and my mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. where really those things kind of had to be backburnered mm-hmm. um, while that was sort of on the front burner for a while. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's, it's nice to feel like I'm sort of being, I, I'm able, able to start sort of like dipping my toe back into parts of my life that require my emotional energy. Um, and it's not, and I'm, and I'm not feeling like that's, you know, being all consumed all the time with, with mm-hmm. processing. So that's where I'm at. How about you? On either front, how are you feeling today? Or both fronts. How are you feeling today and how are you feeling in the process of of grieving our friend? So how I'm feeling today, generally pretty good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple of really pretty decent nights of sleep, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's generally speaking a sign that my internal life is settling down a little bit. And yeah. that's good. Uh, because it had been turbulent because of the Scott situation, for sure. Um but I'm feeling, generally speaking, like pretty good. Starting to get pretty focused feeling again. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of excited to be ramping up to this little concert, you know, yeah. having something fun to focus on. There's yeah. a couple of very small technical things I have to figure out. It's great. It's just enough technical stuff to be nerdy and fun for me, but not hard or overwhelming. That's good. Which is great because I don't think I could do hard or overwhelming right now. Totally. But it's good to feel like I got like my pinky in the game. Yeah. You know, it's nice. Yeah. Um, you know, but I feel generally speaking over the last couple of days, at least maybe even as many as three now, kind of like there's been a shift toward feeling generally lighter of spirit. Oh, that's good. And I feel good about that. Uh, you know, I am not, I'm not thinking about, so regarding the Scott, you know, Scott and how I'm dealing with processing the grief around that, mm-hmm. I've realized uh, that I'm not thinking about him all day, every day anymore, yeah, like yeah. I was for the first couple of weeks. Uh, I do think about him many times every day. Yeah. Uh, Same. Oddly, oftentimes when I think of him, the way it feels is that this is all a dream Mm. and that I'll just like see him the next time we visit California. Yeah. You know, like I'll just go to his house and it'll be him and his wife and we'll be like, hey, you guys, good to see you. 
you know, almost as though this was a close call or a cautionary moment or like a learning experience, <laughs> you know, like, isn't it lucky we all dodge that bullet, you uh. know? But then, of course, the very next thought is a realization that we didn't, in fact, dodge that bullet, mm-hmm. that actually the bad thing happened. Yeah. You know, uh, and that... Yeah. That feeling is interesting and weird, and it manifests for me differently each time it happens. Mm. Sometimes it's painful. Uh, sometimes it's sad. Mm. Sometimes I feel anger. And, and sometimes I just feel like a weird deflation in that moment of realization. Mm. A feeling that in my mind I liken to like in junior high when you think the person you like is smiling at you, but then you realize it's actually a person behind you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, where it's just like, oh. yeah. it feels like that, you know, yeah. like you got a little excited about something and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. Uh, I've definitely been feeling mad at Scott some, mm. you know, uh, and, and the reason I'm mad at him is because he removed a dear friend from my life Yeah, who actually, who, who, who happened to be himself, Yeah, you know, uh, but, you know, also, why would I, you know, would I want him to remain in my life and be as miserable as he was? Of course not. Right. So that's a complicated feeling. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to feel that and also in the next breath be like, well, that's a selfish feeling. But also it's just how I feel and I shouldn't be judging it and I'm stuck between those two things sometimes, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm starting to get my head around the idea that it's it's okay like, mm-hmm. and this will sound maybe weird to say, but it's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming around to the idea that maybe actually I support that. Mm-hmm. And I don't support what he did and I don't support how he did. And I wish he'd held on longer. I don't feel as though he exhausted all possible, uh, you know, avenues, remedies, you mm-hmm. know, before making this decision. Uh, and also depression is a disease that really tricks your mind into believing that there are no remedies. Yes. And also, I know that he felt as though what he had was a terminal disease, yeah. you know, of, of depression or, you know, and bipolar and, and that mix of things that he had. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, I think in this last week about the idea that like when somebody with, say, terminal cancer decides to do like a compassionate end of life thing, you know, we don't judge that. We're like, okay, we get that. You don't want to suffer anymore, you know? And I, I, I wonder whether that informs this discussion. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I, you've opened up a whole can of worms. I, I, mean, honestly, like, I honestly don't know the answer to it, but it's been on my mind. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I really, I, I think that there's some value in contemplating that comparison. Yep. Um, but again, Cancer is not a disease that makes you believe that there are no options. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not something that's tricking your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that complicating factor, you know, like, yeah. like, and people, you know, a lot of people who are diagnosed with cancer are like, okay, you get the diagnosis and your next question is, okay, doc, what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, and you pursue, a lot of people pursue whatever means they can to get rid of it, yeah, um, and to, uh, and in some, and, and in some cases, you know, if it's a, even if it's a terminal cancer, a lot of people choose to try to try to live as long as they can with it, you yeah. know. Um, and by stark contrast, when someone gets a either a diagnosis of depression or just perceives in themselves that they have depression, I think for a lot of people, the first instinct is, well, we can't tell anybody about this, right. 
Right. Because right. there's that it's, shame component it's around isolating. It. So yeah. we don't seek that treatment and right. we don't figure out how to live as happily and productively with it as we can. And I don't think that's the case here. You yeah. know, I know for a fact that Scott was proactively taking steps and had been for a long, long right. time in his life. But I think he felt that he was at the end of his road as far as options, out of options. Yeah. I don't know that I would personally agree with that. Also, I wasn't in his shoes. Right, and I have an immense amount of compassion for where he was at and, you know, we're all doing our best at every at any given moment, mm-hmm. you know, uh, including including him at that moment yeah. when he made that call. Yeah. So, so it's difficult, right? <laughs> like it's hard to pull apart all those little threads of it. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that we're both kind of still processing some yeah, stuff. <laughs> I think so. But, you know, the yeah. overall tone of my life over mm. this last week is markedly less heavy than the week before it. I will say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, me too. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling a little lighter. Generally, I think I am, you know? I wouldn't say I'm back up to 100%, but I would say that my trajectory is not going downward. Yeah. Nor is it plateauing. I think it's heading upward. Sure. A gentle rise. I'll take This sounds like a really good time to introduce the good news machine. Oh, hell yeah. Let's fire up the good news machine. Let's fire up that good news machine. What Uh, what you got? Okay, I have two things. Two things? Uh, They are two things. The first thing is that last week, the Biden administration uh, extended the pause on federal student loan payments through the end of January. So this was a, a, an emergency um, measure that that went into place in the middle, like in like, was it in March or April of 2020 where they suspended federal loan, federal student loan payments as a way of relieving people who have student loans during the economic, you know, craziness of, uh, that COVID brought along. Um, well, uh, the, that, 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 uh, uh, moratorium on payments was scheduled to come to an end uh, soon, and the Biden administration extended that. So that means that anyone who is carrying student debt right now has uh, the opportunity to continue not making those payments at least in, at least through the end of January of 2022, which is great news. It's just a, a massive relief for so many people mm-hmm. who um, are saddled with a huge number, huge, huge amounts of student loan debt. Uh, that's just one less thing they're going to have to worry about for the next number of months. And that's really great. Even better would be the Biden administration using the power that they have to cancel student loan debt. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but that would be an amazing uh, uh, a move to uh, just not, not just to relieve, you know, people who have student loan debt, but it is it, studies have shown that if student loan debt, federal student loan debt were canceled, that um, it would go so far to close the wealth gap. The, yeah, uh, and in, especially the racial wealth and, gap. Uh, yes, in particular, the racial, racial wealth gap. So yeah. that would be even better. But for now, it's great news that, that, that the moratorium has been continued on those payments. And so that's yeah. great news. This is, there's a t- the total side note, but like about the racial wealth gap vis-a-vis uh, student loans and education spending. Uh-huh. So you know how people widely, I mean, for the last like, Decades and decades and decades have been like the way to get yourself out of debt, out of generational debt. The way to improve yourself in life is to go to college, get a college education, you'll get a better job and you'll have less debt, right? Right. And actually- Or you'll make more money or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And for people of color Mm -hmm. and specifically black people, it's had the opposite effect. They've Mm -hmm. actually gone 
downhill in terms of their overall like debt profile because the cost of getting an education is so ridiculously expensive mm-hmm. these days and wages especially for black people have not kept pace with that so like even wages for people with college degrees oh exactly yeah. specifically that yes yeah and so like you know people who are black people especially who are going to college are actually finding themselves overall perhaps sometimes worse in worse financial positions than if they hadn't which is it's so messed up right it is just so wrong yeah and you know it's funny like what people people our age who are like in their mid to late 40s you know when we were what would college, you call that age? Would you call it a middle a, age? A, a middle sort of age? Yes, it's, yeah. it's the middle. Um, but you know, when we were college attending age, mm-hmm. um, college wasn't cheap. No, but it was a lot more affordable than it is now. Like three, like, three times more. Yeah, I mean, like so. When we're talking, you know, those of us who are anyone who's listening who's roughly our age, you know. You can't be thinking about this in terms of like what college cost us because no. that, does, that this doesn't apply anymore. It hasn't applied for decades. No. Like the, the cost of college these days and the amount of debt that people are graduating with is just astronomical. And it's nearly impossible to get out from under. Like you just can't. So anyway, that was number one of my good news. Right. Number two of my good news machine items is that it, it comes from our home state here of Washington. Woohoo. Uh, today, or was it yesterday? I don't know. Anyway, our governor announced uh, a vaccine requirement for all state workers, state people who are working, who are contractors working on state projects, and all healthcare workers in the state. Like, everybody's got to get vaccinated. It's a mandate. Like basically they've got until October 18th to get their vaccines or else they will uh, lose their employment because they no longer meet the requirements for employment with the state. Hell Isn't yeah. Isn't that amazing? And the best thing about this to me is that it also includes people who work from home. <laughs> it's not well, even like it's because you're coming into the office and maybe infecting people. It's like you're being a bad citizen. Yeah, right. Totally. You're, you're doing a bad job and you're yeah. infecting somebody. It's not in the office, but it's somewhere in your life. Yeah. And, you know, it, like... A lot of those people are already vaccinated. A lot of those people are already on the train, you know, and doing what they need to be doing for the sake of public health. The vaccination train? The vaccination train. Yay! Um, But, you know, there are folks who've been holding out, and I really appreciate the courage of our governor and and leaders across the country who have been, who've started doing this just in the last week, really. Yeah. that they're saying like, look, this is important. This is how we're going to get out of this pandemic as if we all get vaccinated. Therefore, it's now a requirement. Like we've asked you politely to do your part and now we're just going to require that you do your part. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Let's do that. Yeah. So good news. What's yours? Mine, I've only got one, but it's a biggie. What is it? The Senate passed that trillion dollar infrastructure bill. The hard infrastructure bill, right? Because there's two bills, right? There are. There's the big reconciliation bill, which will have all the really good progressive stuff. And this is the $1.2 trillion uh, Senate infrastructure package. Mm -hmm. The bigger bill, obviously it's a lot more money. It'll go a lot further and it'll cover a lot more really excellent stuff. But this bill is no slouch. This, This bill has passed the Senate and it will not come up for a vote in the House because the Speaker of the House has said they, they, she will not require the House to vote on this bill that passed the Senate today. She's not going to even bring it up for a vote until that bigger, more progressive bill 
also passes the Senate. I just want to briefly touch on what's in here in case people don't know, because it's a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it is going to create just an absolute ton of jobs, just as little or bill. Mm. Uh, People are estimating that it might create a growth of about 600,000 plus jobs by 2025. Cool. Like in four years. That's a ton. And it's going to be mostly in construction. And interestingly, construction has been one of the few slow job growth industries in recent months. So it could really help. Cool. And also the bill includes funding and provisions to get more job training programs going for getting more women specifically into the construction and trucking industries. Oh, awesome. Because it's just a freaking sausage party. Yeah. That's not technical terminology. <laughs> That's my terminology. That's not in the bill. That's not in the language of the legislation. Yeah. De-sausage partification <laughs> of construction industry. A bill. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a member of the sausage lobby, I'd like to register a complaint. Yeah. Just kidding. This bill has, <laughs> this bill has too much pork in it. <laughs> wah, wah. That's nerdy. Okay, okay. what else? So uh, there's obviously a bunch of funding for roads and bridges and railroads and power grid uh, and broadband. So this is all that hard infrastructure stuff. It's like yeah. it's like that very reductive, very simplistic, what is infrastructure? And you ask yeah. a third grader what is infrastructure, they're like, I think it's bridges. Yeah. And Republican senators are like, yes, that's it, and it's nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the broadband thing is really cool. Like yes. They're going to extend broadband into uh, rural like, and low-income areas. Places, places that haven't been reliably served with Internet, yeah, like it, it. You can't function in this in our society in the year twenty twenty one without internet, and without fast internet. Without that's right, without fast internet because people could do dial up, right? Like, can yeah. you imagine doing dial up? Come on, yeah. But like, yeah, this is this infrastructure bill will will bring fast, reliable internet to places that haven't had it. And the best thing about it is that when you define places that haven't had it, there's two ways to define that. It's physical, one of them, so mm -hmm. rural areas. Right. But then another way to define places that haven't had it is places that have, a, like places like down the street from us here in Tacoma yeah. that have plenty, like the pipes are there, they have broadband, but people can't afford it. Right. And so $14 billion of this funding is going toward making monthly internet bills more affordable for low-income Americans. Amazing. That is a really, really big deal. It's really cool. Really cool. Uh, the power grid part of it has uh, funding to support development and adaptation of clean energy technology. Awesome. That's really good. There's water, especially pipes. <laughs> Think Flint, Michigan, etc. Yeah. Uh, there is resilience, and that's for cybersecurity and climate change mitigation. Oh, wow. Cybersecurity, like it doesn't sound real, real relevant or sexy. Oh my God. But like nowhere that's government funded that has a website is secure. All, basically, that's a true statement. Like, wow. if you look at like governmentally run websites, like maybe a quarter of a percent of them are secure. Security just isn't paid for, and so now it's being paid for. Wow. It's so exciting. So people won't be able to like hack into, say, dams or whatever, and <sighs> right. flood. I don't know Sacramento. You right. know what I mean? So that's really positive. Yeah, and all this stuff. I mean, like it's it was great. It's great news that it passed the Senate today. That was a big hurdle that needed to happen. But in order for it to actually become law, it will need to pass the House. Mm -hmm. And again, the House has said they're not going to vote on it at all. They're not even going to take a vote until that bigger sort of like people infrastructure bill passes the Senate as well, which could happen um, soonish. So we yeah. still have work to go, work to do, but like this is, this was definitely a really big step in the you right direction. You sound like you're trying to wrap the section up, but I'm not done. Oh, you're not? Oh, oh I'm no, sorry. there's so much more stuff. I thought you were pausing. I, oh, I was no. just like coming in. I was just in. letting you speak. Oh, well, well I saw what else? You, I saw you taking breath and I'm like, let's hear what Shannon has oh, to say. Well, there's so much more stuff. Though. Tell me more then. And it's interesting, which is why I want to do it. Okay. There's $39 billion for public transit. 
That's good news. Very good. There is money for airports. That's fine. Uh, there is a bunch of money for remediation, $21 billion for that. So that's cleaning up Superfund sites, abandoned mines, putting caps and plugs on old oil and gas wells. Cool. That's yeah. really, really good. There's port money. That's fine. Uh, there is uh, safety, which is highway safety, but also pedestrian safety, pipeline safety, and a little bit of money to prevent crashes into animals. Aww. Which I think is good. The it animal is... lobby coming in strong on yeah, that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the coolest things I think in this is that there is $8 billion for Western water infrastructure. Oh. Because as you may have heard, the West is a little dry. Yeah. And so they're going to try to fix it. And I think that's really good. That's great. I mean, the Pacific Northwest is not really, I mean, we are drier than usual. We still have plenty of of rain up at this up this way, but yeah, California, the entirety of the state is in a drought yeah. and has been for the last number of months. Yeah, and there's a lot of the West that's also in similar uh, yeah. similar straits. Yeah, Arizona, you don't hear about it as much because California is so dramatic; it's kind of taking all the oxygen out of the room in that right, conversation. Right. But Arizona, I mean, it is the wrap. I think Phoenix right now is the most rapidly growing metro area. Yeah. Which is terrible because there's no water there. It's a desert. Phoenix is built in a desert. Right, right. And any local aquifers have long since been run dry. Right. And so now they're just bringing water from the Colorado River, but that's also got to like get water to other places. It's a, it's a mess. So they're going to hopefully figure out uh, other more sustainable ways to get water into that area. I'm so or curious. Maybe, how or, maybe gonna... or maybe they'll just take this money and make people move. <laughs> Oh, no. The way we're going to improve water in Cal- in, in Arizona leave. is we're just going to make you leave. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. No. I'm curious to know how they'll spend it. That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's uh, the rest of the stuff I thought was interesting. There's more. Yeah. Uh, electric school buses, anybody? Cool. Great. Great. Yeah. So anyway, infrastructure bill. It's, it's a big deal. It's yeah. A, it's a really, really big achievement, you know? It's easy to feel cynical about uh, Washington, D.C. and about uh, national politics. This is... This is what happens when when Democrats win elections. Like if Republicans had won uh, any more of this last election, right. they would have had the ability to decisively stop this. And they would have because Republicans don't believe, ideologically speaking, that government can work. And indeed- And that government can work for people. That's right. They think it can work really, really well for the wealthy and for corporations. Yeah. You know, uh, But what is happening right now is proof that the government can actually work for ordinary people and make living conditions better for people in vulnerable positions. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, the absolute like apex goal of what federal government can do. It totally. can actually work in a meaningful way to accomplish things that make everybody's lives better, not just the wealthy. Right. Well, and, and you know, like it's the function of a government to do the things that make life livable and... Uh, for for people like there are some like we we can we can each do our part right we can each do what we can do for our own individual selves to make our lives livable but there are some things we just can't do on our own no. like we have to have an entity that's way bigger that can accomplish these things to yeah. to create a livable society and like that's the function of that's the function that's that's why you form a government mm-hmm. <laughs> is so that you can do things together at a larger scale that individuals just can't do on their own. Yeah. 
this seems to be foreshadowing our topic of conversation in the second half of the episode. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Shannon, wow, good foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, anyway, but yeah, yay, good news. And let's keep this train rolling and get these bills actually passed and signed and into law. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's touch briefly upon the adventures we got into over this last week. Yeah, we, we mentioned earlier that we finally finished our epic window painting <sighs> adventure. It feels so good to have that done. It and took it looks forever. Banging. It, it looks was really good. so hard. Yeah. Like, as with so many of these projects, we looked at it was like, well, it's three windows and storm windows, and so we need to scrape them, then we need to prime them, we need to paint them, we need to caulk them. How long could that take? Two days? Three days tops? Yeah. But we don't know what we don't know. We're like intrepid DIYers. We're not afraid of it. But as we get into these projects, inevitably it's like, oh, this is so, it's so much so harder much than we harder. thought. Yeah, and we're trying to do our other life around this project also, so it just was a lot. And yeah. I'm really glad it's done. And it looks really good. I feel like we did a really good job yeah. and I'm very proud and of us. we did it ourselves. Yay! We also did a really, really fun thing this uh, most recent Sunday, we did a live performance, a musical performance. Online. On the line. Uh, <laughs> no, it was on the internet, in all seriousness. It was great. Uh, it was with our friend Galen Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't know her, people, look her up. Her name is spelled G-A-E-L-Y-N-N, and her last name is Lee, L-E-A. She's this amazing musician. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even describe her. Just go look her up. She, But I will say this. She won NPR's Tiny Desk competition a few years ago. That's how good she is. Yeah. She's really freaking good. And she's yeah. utterly unique. I've never heard another musician like her. Uh, and she's rad. And she's just a good human being and so funny and awesome and smart. And she's a really good friend of ours. Yes. We've known her for a lot of years now and just like love her and her husband, Paul, to pieces. Yeah, we had a really good time doing this interview and, and we played a couple songs too. Mm-hmm. You're going to put that link to, to that YouTube that YouTube link in the show notes, right? Yeah, I will cool. do that, absolutely. Great. And just so you know, I was playing Wurlitzer Electric Piano. Shannon was singing. It was like a live acoustic performance of the two of us. Very fun. It was. We found a new favorite place to walk along the waterfront here in Tacoma. I know, it was like finding a new like secret spot. It's not a secret. No. Everybody knows about it. But like it's, but a, it's, it's right on... On the Puget Sound, yeah. but also right up against a bluff of Point Defiance Park. So there's trees, mm-hmm. old growth trees and moss and ferns right up on the waterfront. And it was just a lovely walk. Yes. And there's poetry that was like uh, etched, etched into or stamped into the concrete walkway. As it was drying. Every once in a yeah. while, it looked just like these little poems in the concrete. It's oh lovely. my gosh. Yes. It was so wonderful. I can't wait to go back. Like yeah. I'm going to go back all the time. Didn't see any orca, so I'm giving it three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty pissed about that. <laughs> Apparently there's an animal, there, there's like a harbored dolphin that on like the little chart they had of like the like most common to most rare is like most common. And we've never seen a harbor dolphin. No. We've never heard even of harbor dolphins. I think something's harbor going on porpoise. here. Seems yeah. a little fishy. Oh, very good. Okay. Thank you. Actually, not good. Yeah, because dolphin's not a fish. It's no, actually, it's, it's not. It's a mammal. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've been gearing up for this festival show we're doing next week. Shannon's rehearsing. I'm making backing tracks for it because Shannon's performing two tracks. It's going to be just I know. different and neat and cool. Big sound. Very fun. I'm excited. You're, uh, you're finishing a song. Yeah, I've got a couple of personal songs on my docket, and you know, I had really wanted to. Um, the first of the the I've had notes for one of them uh, for several weeks now, a few weeks, I guess. Um, and I had wanted originally to have this written and out to these folks a couple weeks ago, but I just I couldn't I couldn't uh, finish that songwriting process 
after we got the news about Scott. Like I just didn't have the emotional space in my life to like write a song for somebody. All of your emotional bandwidth is being used yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah. I got to dive back into that this week and it's feeling good. And um and so happy to be able to sort of step back into that a, a little bit. Um and also, I wrote a newsletter to my love letter list this week, um, this weekend, uh, just about sort of like where my mind and spirit and body have been the last couple of months. Because I hadn't written to the love letter list since the very end of our 2021 project. Right. And um, it turns out that I had a lot to say about burnout. Yeah. <laughs> and it also turns out that a lot of people really resonated with what I had to say about yeah. reaching a place of burnout. We've yeah. heard from a lot of folks who were like, thank you for writing about that and how sneaky burnout can be because I'm feeling it too mm-hmm. or, you know, I've been there as well. And so, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was affirming to hear from folks who have had similar or who are having similar experiences of burnout. You know, it, someone someone's comment was really astute. She said something like, you know, um, thank you for, for pointing out that burnout can happen even when you're doing work that you find meaningful and fulfilling. Oh, yeah. Like that even when the stuff that you're doing is right in line with your purpose and like, you know, your, your um, reason for existing, you know, like it can still happen that you just run, you reach the end of your road. Well, I would say, especially. Yeah. Maybe. Because that's the stuff that you're emotionally invested in and that's where you spend energy. Yeah. yeah. You know? But, you know, I, I really feel like, um, and one of the things I wrote about in the love letter was just that I'm in a place right now where I'm really trying to listen to, to what my, my mind and my spirit and my body have been telling me about the experience of burnout. Mm-hmm. In terms of how to like sort of design my life going forward, you know, I still believe in the work that I do. I still, you know, like I'm still completely bought into the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a, this has been an important time for me to recognize that I could perhaps design my energy and schedule around that stuff in a way that's, that allows for more, uh, restoration that allows for more just sustainability, you know, sustainability of, of creating stuff. Like you just can't, you just can't create, um, you can't create from an empty well, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And like, not to mention that's just the creative work. You can't, you can't live a healthy life (laughs) from an empty well either. You know, like you have to build in, uh, Time. It's, it just, it requires time, mm-hmm. frankly. Like you can't speed that up either, you know? And so you need time to, to restore. And um, so I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that, you know, uh, before I start my next creative project, um, before we start on the next cycle of whatever it is that we're doing on that, in that arm of things that we do, I'm really just spending a lot of time thinking about what that could look like in a way that feels more sustainable going forward. Great. And doesn't like ring me out to the point of breaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, I mentioned the love That's letter. That's a beautifully list. mixed metaphor. Sorry, you know, I'm, I, my creative Really juices. when you get wrong out, you're dry. Thank you. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Maybe I'm so dry that it's about to break. I don't Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it's not working. I'm trying to make it work. It's no, not working. Great try. Valiant Thank effort. You. Thank you. F. Uh, <laughs> oh, rude. Um, 
But, you know, I'm mentioning my love letter list. This is a newsletter that I send out to people who follow my music. So yeah. there are folks, you know, people who are in Misfit Stars, obviously they get all of our, you know, combined stuff that we do together. Via the um, Misfit Stars newsletter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but the love letter list is for folks, you know, there are a lot of people who are in Misfit Stars who get the love letter list, mm-hmm. uh, newsletters. Um, and, but there are a lot of other people too. Uh, so, but if you don't get that and you want to get that, we would... Love to have you join it. You're going to put that link in the show notes too. I'm not even going to put that link in the oh, show notes okay. because it's much easier just to tell you. You go to shannoncurtis.net, you scroll to the bottom of the page, you pop in your email address, you're on the list. There you go. Shannoncurtis.net, scroll to the bottom, pop in your email address. Right on. And Shannon will send you deeply meaningful missives, hopefully not about burnout in the future. They're love letters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's take a short break and we'll come back and we'll- we will talk about... Uh, we'll resume our conversation about individualism. Yeah, more thoughts. Yeah, be back soon. So we have some more thoughts on individualism. And again, if you want to hear the parts of this conversation that preceded today's little conversation, go to misfitstars.com slash listen or to wherever you get your podcasts and... Jump back like six episodes, I think, is when we started. Six weeks or something like that. Yeah. 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 Something like that. It was in there somewhere. If you really need help, email me and I'll tell you. But honestly, because you know, as we were mentioning earlier, Misfit Stars people are exceptionally smart and handsome. Uh, you know, you should Your be able good to, looks will get you through. Yeah, you should be able to figure it out. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to start our discussion of individualism today with a couple of thoughts from Misfit Star Amanda M. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. What's happening? And she had a couple of thoughts that we just thought... Uh, she sent these weeks ago, like yeah. after our last episode, uh, and then before we sort of like took a couple weeks off of this topic yeah. to talk more about Scott. Um, so we're jumping back in with her thoughts. And I want to say before we get into Amanda's thoughts that if you are a Misfit Stars member or just a listener to this podcast and not yet a member... Why are you you not a member? Uh, And you have, if you've got thoughts on this topic, we'd love to hear from you too. You can email me at Shannon at MisfitStars.com. You can email Jamie at Jamie at MisfitStars.com. That's J-A-M-I-E. That's That's right. That's how I spell it. Um, Because really this sort of like interactivity part of it is part of the fun for us. You know, when we hear from you guys what you're thinking about this topic, it spurs new ideas for us and Mm -hmm. more conversation here. So if, like Amanda, you are listening and you have thoughts that you want to contribute, do. We would love to hear them. Yes, we would. Yeah. So Amanda says in thought number one, I am exploring the difference between the labels individual and self. That is so interesting. I know, right off the bat. What else does she say? She continues... I am not an individual. I am one particle in an entire universe. Hmm. In the same breath, I am my self. And that's capitalized. She says, not to be confused with myself, the one word version of that, Mm -hmm. but lowercase my and capitalized 
self. Mm-hmm. I am like a cell within my own body. Mm-hmm. There are individual cells, but one cell cannot exist without the rest of the cells, blood, oxygen, bones, tissue, skin. One cell can act on its own, but not without impacting the other cells, blood, oxygen, bones, tissues, skin. Mm-hmm. From the smallest molecular levels to the furthest stars in the galaxy, this is a truth. Individual elements within a whole. There is self-actualization, but no individual action. Say that one again. Say that sentence again. There is self-actualization, but no individual action. Aha. Uh-huh. I continue to, to, to take care of myself. Capital again, S. Capital S. Mm-hmm. But I release any notion that I am an individual that acts alone without influence upon the world within, around, and beyond me. Wow. Yeah. That's, those are some great thoughts. I really like that metaphor of, of us as people, as individual people, <laughs> mm-hmm. that we are part of something bigger and linked to something bigger and affect the something bigger and are affected by the something bigger, yeah. much like a cell in the body exists in a way that it is its own entity, but it can't live without the rest of the body and all of its own actions that it does all on its own, that little the little motor within the cell, its little purpose, each cell has its own purpose, right? None of its actions uh, are in a vacuum. All of, all of an individual cell's actions impact the other cells around it and the body as a whole. It's really interesting because I think that we are sort of primed to think of the ideas of autonomy and interdependence as being somewhat mutually exclusive. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that what she's pointing such a laser beam light here at is the idea that you can have a level of autonomy Mm -hmm. as an individual, Mm -hmm. but it is within the context of interdependence Mm -hmm. and that you cannot separate one from the other, Mm -hmm. that there's no way, no matter how autonomous you may feel, that you can truly act in a way, either materially or I would even say spiritually, Yeah, you know, that doesn't somehow, in a ripples outward from a stone way, affect a whole ton of other things like near to you and also far away from you. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I think this is true even, even when you consider the things that you do all by yourself in your house, no one else is watching, even the thoughts that you're having that no one else hears. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's true, even, even those actions, even those experiences that we do, that we think we're all by ourselves, I think they have an impact on the body as a whole. And here's what I mean. Like, um, we've been having, we've, we've, We've highlighted a number of times on this podcast writings by our misfit star Whitney Fishburn, mm-hmm. who uh, has a great um, sub. It's a Substack, yeah, right? It's a yeah, Substack. It's a, uh, Substack where she writes about um, <laughs> a whole really interesting uh, uh, a slate of topics related to mental wellness and also astrology, yeah. which I don't really know a whole lot about, but it's super interesting learning from her um, and and sort of like the political health of our society. Like it's yeah. a really- And how it ties into individual spirituality. It's really right. deep. But like we, we were having a sort of a sidebar conversation with her apropos of, of some writing she did uh, recently or something she shared via her Substack about this. And this is an idea that I've actually been like sort of like 
pondering or like being been curious about for a little while myself. And this idea that uh, our own, uh, our own like inner life and the health of our inner life, you know, which, mm-hmm. which we, I think often think of as being a solo exercise, yeah. you know, like it's that it, it just affects you and, you know, nobody else, but, but that like the health of our inner life and like getting, getting in line mm-hmm. <laughs> with ourselves. Like spiritually aligned. Uh-huh. Like almost like a chiropractic spiritual adjustment. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like doing the work and it's, and it's ongoing work, mm-hmm. right? Like the, doing that, being engaged in that kind of individual work is itself a way of, of uh, it's a way of being an activist to creating justice in society. Yeah. Like I, it starts there. Like I, and I really do believe that. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to, to explore this more, but I really believe that like those things, those, those moments where we think we're just acting alone inside our own brains and our own thought processes and our own, you know, uh, what, how we're spending that time matters to the whole, to the body as a whole. And, and when, if, you, when you're saying the body, I think that's confusing. Oh, sorry. I think what you mean is like the body all politic. of us, like <laughs> yeah. everybody. Society. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I was using the metaphor, but yeah, I think that the stuff that we spend our time thinking about and cultivating and like doing even in the privacy of our own minds has an impact on society as a whole, like ultimately. And, and, and we can bring good stuff to the table and we can bring bad stuff to the table based mm-hmm. on how we, how, what, we're, what we're spending our energy cultivating inside the privacy of our own minds. Yep. You know what I mean? But I love this. I, like, I, really, do, I really do think that there's, a, there's something to this idea that when we cultivate, when we cultivate healing and growth and, uh, and getting aligned with our values and like focusing on our wellness, all those things that, that seem so inwardly focused that when we do those, when we spend energy doing those things, that is really what makes it possible for us to be entities that affect the whole of society in a way that makes our world a bit more like the one we want to live in, mm-hmm. a just world, mm-hmm. a compassionate world. And that we actually can't get those things unless we're doing that inner work. Yeah. You know what and I mean? It, and it has to be genuine. It has oh to be like God. at the level of thought. It can't just be like the parts of our inner life that we make explicit to others or that we expose externally. It really is oh, yeah. just the stuff that we're, that happens just inside like our own neurons. Right, right. And, and here's the thing, like it is, it is solo work and it's community work because mm-hmm. we can we 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 do this work effectively when we're doing it in community with others yeah. and we're sharing here's what i'm feeling here's what i'm experiencing oh yeah me too and we share ideas and we work we we, we come alongside each other as we continue to do that that work that's healing us inside that gives us the power to hopefully eventually heal all of the outside mm-hmm. In the world. I mean, you know? and if you think about like recovery, we talk a lot about recovery mm-hmm. on the show. Recovery has a lot of sayings. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the better ones is that uh, it starts with an inside job. Yeah. You know? And what they're talking about in that context is the idea that you can't be of service to other people, which is the broader work of recovery, until you've done the work yourself. Like right. you can't pour from an empty vessel, that whole sort of thing. Yeah. 
But I think that there are parallels to what we're talking about here also. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's all just kind of one big related topic. Yeah. The idea that you get right inside yourself first. You get yourself sort of as best aligned as you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're more in alignment with yourself, you're going to be more in alignment with the, like, the vibrations of the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And reciprocally, like the vibrations that you're putting out of you, the ones that you don't control, just like the vibrations that happen inside of you that emanate from you will influence the universe in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Good stuff. Amanda had a second thought too, right? She did. She did a second observation. And her second observation is, she says, I took up your challenge to question, where do I find myself dreaming other people's dreams? It certainly comes into play in consumerism. Mm -hmm. I decided not to buy five items this week because I paused to ask, do I need this? Or is this a need someone is creating within me? Oh my God, that's such a great question. And she's like, the latter was always true and I abandoned my shopping cart each time. Wow. Okay, do I need this? Or is this a need someone is creating within me? That needs to be, like, we need to write that on Post-it notes and stick it on our computer screens every time we pop up in an Amazon window. Yeah. <laughs> we need to take that, or like... F- or for anybody uh, under the age of 40, it's called your phone. When you do it on your phone. Okay, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> on the phone. A Post-it note on your phone Just all the time. A, put a Post-it funny. note right in the middle of your smartphone. Yeah. What we need, you know what we need? What? Oh, my gosh, we should invent this. What we need to invent is, uh, is this, is, like, some software... So that every time you go to like, go, the, you have a shopping cart online, you know, that you're about to pay on, mm-hmm. that the software recognizes that you're about to pay something and it pops open with a, pops up, a pop-up window comes up with this quote from Amanda. Do I need this or is this a need someone is creating within me? Wow. And then you have to like check, you have to think about it and check yes or no or check which box. And like, if it's a need you actually have, it will let you go through to the shopping cart and finish your shopping. If you've evaluated though and realize that it's a need someone's creating within you, then it'll be like, why don't you go ahead and close that shopping cart window? Wow. That'd be a great like tool, wouldn't it? It's kind of like Clippy. Do you remember Clippy? (laughs) The word assistant? (laughs) Yeah. In Microsoft Word, when it would pop up and it would be like, it looks like you're trying to write a resume. You need some help. Yeah. It's it's, like that, but for like Clippy, but for shopping online. thinking it was more like you know there's that uh that coupon software honey uh-huh. where like you can like you know if, when you're shopping like honey will just like pop up in your browser and be like honey found a coupon for you or yeah. whatever it's like that mm-hmm. but instead of a coupon it's like a personal inventory question like do you really need this or is this a need that someone's creating in you and you know clippy sounds a lot like honey this could just be the resurrection of clippy we could make an what would we call it it would be a browser extension it would be called clippy no 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 no. it has to have its own name maybe it's called needy (laughs) no no No, it's called it's called what's it called it's called uh morally no Uh, no we need ideas yeah if you have ideas shoot us an email um but that's that is really it. It's called gut check, but there's no vowels. Yeah. It's just G T C H K. Okay, so that's a really great that's a really great practice though. And I really think that that's something that I want to figure out how to more intentionally in, introduce into my life. Yeah. I think and that, it's, it's such a good re- reminder. I love the idea. Also, there's two ideas I love. One, I love the idea of like Having all the stuff in your shopping cart and then just like walking away, like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, you kind of wake up, like, 
I almost bought this stuff. This is terrible. It's window shopping. Yeah. Also, I love the idea of like taking the online shopping metaphor and bringing it back into real life. Imagine just like wandering around Target, just filling up a shopping cart with <laughs> with a bunch of stuff, and then just having this epiphany, like, wait. I don't need any of this stuff. And literally just leaving your shopping cart and oh. walking away. Oh, I feel bad for the restocker. The person who restocks the shelves. Yeah, but I mean, you need more restockers. Really, you're a job creator. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Okay, yeah. great. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the idea of consumerism really does. I mean, we, we talked about the idea of consumerism as it relates to this idea of sort of toxic individualism, yeah. you know, a few episodes back. Um, but I think that this the idea is, that we define ourselves and find well-being, uh, you know, not intrinsically but externally from oftentimes just purchasing stuff. Right. This culture of consumption. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a really great tool. This is a really great tool. Thank you, Amanda. A great tool for like combating that element of how consumerism intersects with uh, toxic individualism. Yeah. I just made that phrase up, toxic individualism. Do you like that? Toxic individualism. I like it. Also, we used it like three mo- weeks ago. Okay, I forgot. It's podcast. been a long month. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that we, we uh, that perked, that, that, that sort of rose above the trees this week, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was sort of related to this topic was uh, a really great article that Misfit Star uh, Jennifer H. shared in our Misfit Star social network. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, do you remember what the publication was? I sure do. It was The, the Atlantic. Atlantic and right. the article was called Why We Should Talk to Strangers More. Yeah. 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 So there was an excerpt um, that, uh, do you want to read the excerpt? I would love to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a super, super good article. It's not super long. I will post the link in the show notes. Great. It's very thought provoking and it has a bunch of like, it's based on scientific research. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one person's wild flights of fancy. It's grounded in an actual empirical reality, which is really cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of personal stories in the article, too, which make it interesting and, and fun to read. That's true. Yeah. So look for the link in the show notes. But here is a very, very relevant passage. The author writes, A hefty body of research has found that an overwhelmingly strong predictor of happiness and well-being is the quality of a person's social relationships. Mm-hmm. But most of those studies have looked only at close ties, family, friends, coworkers. In the past decade and a half, professors have begun to wonder if interacting with strangers could be good for us too, not as a replacement for close relationships, but as a complement to them. Mm-hmm. The results of that research have been striking. Have they now? Again and again, studies have shown that talking with strangers can make us happier, more connected to our communities, mentally sharper, healthier, less lonely, and more trustful and optimistic. Well, that's lovely. How magical and wonderful is that? Okay, and like, what's the message that like gets hammered home to like suburban kids growing up? I'm raising my hand as one of them. Stranger danger. Don't talk to strangers. Yeah. And like the app, the opposite is maybe actually true. I mean, obviously there are some circumstances in, in which small children maybe shouldn't be talking to strangers. In vans. <laughs> in vans. Yeah. People, strangers who are offering them candy yeah. to get into their sketchy van. Yeah, you still shouldn't talk to those people. This is really, I think, probably more targeted at adults. But yeah. I think that that mentality, and the article actually talks about this a little bit too, that whole like stranger danger concept. I think that that, that concept sort of like does plant a seed. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm talking about myself here, you know, mm-hmm. like you, 
it does plant a seed of suspicion about people you don't know. And like you grow up and you develop that and it grows with you. And, and I think it gets to, it, it becomes something in, in, you know, an adult life where you're just not talking to strangers ever at all because they're scary yeah, <laughs> and they're not. But like, we've got this, we've grown up with this idea that like, there's something to be afraid of. And other people that we don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's that's a real part of a lot of people's existence, mine included. Yeah. You know, that, that I, I, that's something that I've been working to undo. And actually, I have to say that being in a relationship with you for the last 15 or so years has been, has it been 15? It has been 15 years. Okay. I didn't want to get it wrong. No, but, you did great. Like, well, some of my earliest memories dating you actually involved like we'd like I come over to San Francisco and visit you uh at your apartment and then we'd like leave your apartment and we'd go walking around you know grab a a bottle of water at the convenience store and maybe get a bite to eat at the restaurant or Mm -hmm. you know visit some other establishment and every place we would go you would talk to the people behind the counter or talk to people that we would encounter at you know at these various places and I remember thinking at the at the time, like, why why is he talking to these people? Like, you know, like <laughs> you know, but always the interactions were lovely and like they were really they were really positive. And it and I could see that it made them feel good and I could see that it made you feel good. Yeah. And like honestly, like this is one of the things you've taught me in our relationship is like the idea of talking to strangers. You do this really well. Well, and it's not something that I have historically done really well because I have operated from a place of fear mm-hmm. around people or things I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, um but I got like, the, to credit where credit's due, I got this from my dad. That's awesome. But continue. Yeah. So but like I learned that from you and you know, and it does actually enrich my life now. It's it's a it's a part of my own daily practice in the world to talk to whomever it is that I encounter. Just engage. Yeah. And um and it does bring me happiness. It does bring me a sense of optimism. Like all the things that the study said, mm-hmm. like it actually does do those things for me. And But I'm speaking as a person who ha- who spent a lot of her adult life not doing these things. Yeah. <laughs> and I can really see the difference. Like I feel different walking around in the world, being a person who's willing to and make a, makes a practice of engaging with people. Yeah. I feel better and I feel... I feel uh, I feel better about the world in general, not just better about myself. The world feels bigger when you act like that. Yeah, you know, it does. I know that my world has felt immeasurably mm-hmm. bigger. You know, the more I've done this, mm-hmm. because it just seems like there's more possibility. Yeah, because if you view every person you don't know as a potential like new friend, mm-hmm. that's so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. That's so fun, and I see so many people. I mean, I observe people in everyday life. I'm I'm an inveterate people watcher, and something I see with so much sadness, so much of the time, is people walking in a closed way. Yeah, you know, and giving off just an energy of don't talk to me, don't approach to me, don't approach me, yeah. just like stay away. Yeah. And it makes me feel sad because I imagine those people's worlds are much smaller than I perceive mine as being. Yeah. You know? Well, and I know there are probably some days where maybe I, maybe there's something like really horrible going on in your life and there, like, there's good reason to not want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you sure. know what I mean? Like we all have those days. But probably for a lot of folks who are walking around like that, it's, it's just, it's based out of an insecurity or fear or, you know, there's some internal something that's, that's, 
causing them to to feel the need to put up an armored shell around themselves. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, there there are so many different kinds of people. Like you, we raised the question, like like our community, like our we we talk about our community all the time yeah. on this podcast in our lives, right? Yeah. Like, and there are certainly the people that we know, mm-hmm. and then we know them by name, and we know details about their lives, and mm-hmm. they are close friends, and they are family members, and they are neighbors, and they are you know folks that yeah. we are really invested in. Yep. But our community really extends beyond that. Like this, this article is pointing out that like the people that make up community are even folks that we don't know. Yeah. We don't know their names. Yeah. We don't know their stories. We don't know really anything about them. And we may never know those details. They're still part of our community. Yeah. And they still in that, so all cells being part of the same body yes. way, they yes. still affect us. Oh, yeah. And we affect them. Uh-huh. And so, really, if you think about it, it would behoove us to try to be more integrated with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So we can be part of a better functioning organism mm-hmm. that's sharing information like trees through roots, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it made you know me want to ask the question, like, what other kinds of people are in our communities whom we might be instinctively disinclined not to engage with, mm. you know? Like, what... Like maybe we have fears, maybe we have inbuilt prejudices, maybe we yeah. have like what are the root causes maybe of someone walking through the world in that closed way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in my life I have sometimes felt more anxious about engaging with people who look different than me, mm. you know? Uh, and this could mean uh, this could mean race or ethnicity, but it could also just mean like people who look like they come from a very different walk of life than I do. Like someone who's dressed in business attire with an expensive briefcase when you're wearing your combat boots and all black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or some variation on that. Okay. It could be a sociological difference uh-huh. or a cultural difference. Sure. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, you know, that never trust anyone in a suit thing. You know, that's real. Like I <laughs> definitely have felt that in my life, you know. Mm. And that's something that I've had to really work to get over. Like, you know, mm. it... I think makes sense to to a lot of people to judge someone who they perceive as beneath them, but also we judge people who we perceive as above us too. Mm, you know, like on the social hierarchy. Yeah, people mean? I think seem to, uh, people I think tend to stay at their own like it's intuitively want to maybe stay at their own strata, like at their own levels. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that's something we need to get past. Pe- <laughs> we need to get past the hierarchy. Period. But yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to dismantle that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another. Uh, Another sort of way to d- define, you know, an other in this situation would be well, mm. someone who's a different age than us, you know? Mm. Uh, homeless people. I think a lot of people have we- a real aversion to or fear about interacting with a homeless person. Right. Uh, That's That was something that, um, again, that I learned from you. Mm. Like, you know, again, walking around San Francisco with you in those early days, and it continues to this day, you know, um, you engage with people that are living on the street, you yep. know, and and give them cash and, you know, and no, also qu- just, no questions asked. And just and also just talk with them. Out, yeah. Like giving cash is the easy way out. You know what I mean? Oh, but it is. It's a thing that they need and it's, it's helpful. Tangibly helpful, yeah. But but you also engage verbally with them. Yeah. How are you doing? You know, yeah. like. Just treat them like an actual human. You know what I mean? That's not as an ob- Well, but not as an object, not as a class of person. Right. You know, it's not that they are a homeless person. It's that they're, they're, a person. they're a person and also they're experiencing homelessness. Right. You know, mm-hmm. 
But you got to center the fact of their personhood first, you know? Like, and I yes. think that, especially for that, another one on my list is like people with disabilities. You know, I think mm-hmm. it can be hard sometimes to approach someone with an obvious like physical or cognitive disability, you know? Mm-hmm. Because like, I think that there's a fear there, right? Like we don't know how, how to act, how to interact. Uh, I know that in myself, like there's something I've really had to, to, to work through. And I feel like I have. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty pretty great about this now but I know that a younger version of me mm. almost felt like there might be a, there might be a neediness that I couldn't address like it's a problem mm. that I can't fix mm. and that kind of thing made me really anxious when I was like in my 20s so it was easier just to kind of avoid interaction altogether than to confront that like that inability of 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 your own inability to like fix a situation. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think that our perceived inability to fix situations and our our perceptions and assumptions about what situations and or needs a person might be in or have, Mm -hmm. like those can like, I think collude within us to make us feel like the situation around a person, like like a person is a situation and like that situation might Mm -hmm. be too much for us to handle, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And- like, I understand that because I've been that person and I have felt that way myself. Yeah. Also, as I have grown, I think I have come to a much, maybe more mature and or nuanced understanding, which is that everybody has stuff they're dealing with. Yeah. You know? And just because you can't see someone's situation, yeah. because you can't see someone's potential like like disability or issue that they have doesn't mean they don't have it you right know? right and the fact of it being less visible to you doesn't make it any more or less in need of fixing but also it doesn't mean that you're responsible for fixing uh, it yeah and that's i think the thing is like it's not your job to like to be a savior no. <laughs> like all that's required of us is to engage with humans with our with our full humanity. And just and, to like acknowledge them in a dignified way, you mm-hmm. know, and just like be with them and observe them. Like I think of Scott in this situation, you know, like he was carrying around within himself a massive disability that mm-hmm. ended up taking his life. Mm-hmm. And like we didn't really know. Like we knew at a certain level as much as he allowed us into that, yeah. that he was struggling in a, in a mental wellness kind of way. But we didn't know the depths or the extent of it, mm-hmm. you know. Um had we known, would we have been more or less likely? Would we have been more scared of coming alongside him as a friend? Mm-hmm. I don't think that I personally would have been, you know, given mm-hmm. where I'm at in my life. I don't think you would have been either. But I also understand that for certain humans, like that kind of thing can be scary in that same, will I catch it kind of way. Yeah, and I think that, you know, on the topic of of, of engaging with strangers, which is where this is all coming from too, yeah. like I think that what we're, what we're kind of getting around to in this conversation is that like there are certain people, certain strangers that given whatever whatever life situation they're in or how they're presenting in public, like maybe it feels scary or complicated to try to like wrap our brains around like who they are mm-hmm. <laughs> or what their situation is. And that like our our instinct oftentimes in those moments is to just ignore yeah. and move on, walk by quickly, uh, keep eyes cast downward, not make eye contact in order to just avoid acknowledging the presence of such a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's like it's easier on, um, we think it's easier on our psyche or on our emotions, it's probably, it's, well, it's 
the studies have shown it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's actually it's wrong. It's actually, you know, better Science for us. says no. It's actually better for us to engage, but I think in the moment, like, we just try to avoid, mm-hmm. you know, or, or pretend we can't see. Yeah. Because bringing on the complexity or the potential pain or the... Or just whatever, whatever, however humanity is presenting itself is just t- feels too much for yeah. us to bring on yeah. to our, you know, in, the, in that moment. It's interesting. Yeah, which could come back to a question of personal resilience too and like mm-hmm. how resilient people are feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think the empathetic view uh, of people who walk around in that closed off way could just be that they're not feeling resilient. They project something that to me feels like menace. Mm-hmm. In a way, they can, mm-hmm. you know, people like that sometimes people can. People who are shut off, you yeah. mean? It, okay. That can feel menacing mm-hmm. or not threatening, but just like negative energy. Mm-hmm. But it could just be because they're not feeling resilient inside themselves. And like they feel that maybe, maybe they feel that everything they encounter feels like a burden and they just can't take one more thing on board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also important to recognize that when I'm feeling less resilient, a way for me to maybe build up that resilience or build up my stores of like emotional you know, well-being is to engage. Like it's to fight against that that tendency to to withdraw. Man, you ev- know, everything we knew about strangers is wrong. <laughs> yeah, one of That's the things wild. that I loved about um, this uh, article was the the there was one part in which it talked about um, how when we talk with people, we're engaging with their humanity, mm-hmm. and that like. It does the opposite. Like rather than just avoiding or casting your eyes downward or trying to ignore, when you talk to a stranger, no matter who they are, the clerk behind the grocery store counter, the person asking for change at the exit to the grocery store parking lot, you know, um, whomever, you know, the, the person sitting next to you on the bus or wherever you might be, that when you engage with somebody and you just talk to them, you're engaging their humanity and they become more of a fleshed out actual human person and not just like some extra in the movie in which you are the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like they're an actual person. They're an actual co-star of the movie with you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which is- It's really true. And in their movie, they're the protagonist. Right. You know, or at least the co-star, you know. No, No one is an extra. Right. Well, and I guess it's maybe if we're going with the movie, the movie uh, like metaphor here, the protagonist in this in this frame that we're talking about, the protagonist is all of us, mm-hmm. co- the collective. The protagonist is the collective. Yeah. If we think about it that way, it's a like, single entity, the protagonist. Yeah, but it's it, like this massively multicellular organism of which we are each one cell. Yeah. 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 Um, but I just, I love that idea that when you actually engage with someone, even if you, it, it could be a momentary interaction. It doesn't mean that, you know, striking up a conversation on the subway or whatever is not, doesn't mean you're going to like be BFFs with a person. You know, it's not, it's not like you're committing uh, to, you know, a lifelong friendship with somebody. Um, but just even those momentary interactions humanize people. They They make the people around us uh, we perceive them more as whole people. We see their value more when we've engaged with them, even in those kind of small ways. And and the studies are showing us that this is good for us personally, but clearly, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea of like when we're doing our own work internally, the stuff that's like just, we think it's just for us is the beginning point of, of actually... Uh, 
being able to be the kind of person who creates a ju more just and compassionate world. This is an, this is that in, in action, you yeah. know, th that small action of just kindly and compassionately engaging with the other people around us who are strangers who will maybe never meet again is something that is, it's good for the fabric of society. It is, it's good for the organism, this larger organism of which we are all a smaller part. Yeah. You know? That's so neat. Yeah. So Jennifer H., thank you so much for sharing this article. It was really great. Highly thought-provoking. Um, and I will post a link to this article in the show notes. But if you just want to Google it, it's in the Atlantic, and it's called Why We Should Talk to Strangers. Yeah. And Amanda M., thank you so much for your thoughtful comments. Those were just awesome jumping-off points today. And if you're listening and you're like, I have thoughts. If I were sitting in your living room right now, I would jump in with this well, thought. send us a message and tell us. Yes. Um, because... We just might pick it up and uh, run with it next week. Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Jamie at MisfitStars.com. You can just send us a note. You can let us know what you're thinking about things. Yeah, we would love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we talked forever. I'm almost hoarse. <laughs> you did good though. Yeah, I yeah. Think I enjoyed the conversation. Oh, well, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we should sign off and Let's... we'll be back again next week. That sounds great. I already can't wait. Me too. Thank you so much for listening today, people. Um... We'll be back next week. Please support our work at misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, this week, be good to each other and take care of yourselves. Yeah, we love you guys. Bye. Bye.